0: Chapter 37, Part 2 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P.T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum, Chapter 37, Mr. and Mrs. General Tom Thumb, Part 2. His immediate object in this was that his mother might get acquainted with Lavinia, for he feared opposition from that source whenever the idea of his marriage should be suggested. I could do no less than accede to his proposal, and on the following Friday, while Lavinia and the Commodore were sitting in the green room, I said, Lavinia, you may go up to Bridgeport with me tomorrow morning, and remain until Monday. Thank you, she replied. It will be quite a relief to get into the country for a couple of days. The Commodore immediately pricked up his ears and said, Mr. Barnum, I should like to go to Bridgeport tomorrow. What for? I asked. I want to see my little ponies. I have not seen them for several months, he replied. I whispered in his ear, You little rogue, that is the pony you want to see, pointing to Lavinia. He insisted I was mistaken. When I remarked that he could not well be spared from the museum, he said, Oh, I can perform at half-past seven o'clock and then jump on to the eight o'clock evening train and go up by myself, reaching Bridgeport before eleven and return early Monday morning. I feared there would be a clashing of interests between the rival pygmies, but wishing to please him I consented to his request, especially as Lavinia also favoured it. I wished I could then fathom that little woman's heart and see whether she— who must have discovered the secret of the general's frequent visits to the museum, desired the commodore's visit in order to stir up the general's ardor, or whether, as it seemed to me the more likely, she was seeking in this way to prevent a denouement which she was not inclined to favor. Certain it is that though I was the general's confidant, and knew all his desires upon the subject, No person had discovered the slightest evidence that Lavinia Warren had ever entertained the remotest suspicion of his thoughts regarding marriage. If she had made the discovery, as I assume, she kept the secret well. In fact, I assured Tom Thumb that every indication, so far as any of us could observe, was to the effect that his suit would be rejected. The little general was fidgety but determined, Hence, he was anxious to have Lavinia meet his mother and also see his possessions in Bridgeport, for he owned considerable land and numerous houses there. The general met us at the depot in Bridgeport on Saturday morning and drove us to my house in his own carriage, his coachman being tidily dressed, with a broad velvet ribbon and silver buckle placed upon his hat expressly for the occasion. Lavinia was duly informed that this was the general's turnout and after resting half an hour at Lindencroft, he took her out to ride. He stopped a few moments at his mother's house, where she saw the apartments which his father had built expressly for him, and filled with the most gorgeous furniture, all corresponding to his own diminutive size. Then he took her to East Bridgeport, and undoubtedly took occasion to point out in great detail all of the houses which he owned for he depended much upon having his wealth make some impression upon her. They returned, and the general stayed to lunch. I asked Lavinia how she liked her ride. She replied, It was very pleasant, but, she added, it seems as if you and Tom Thumb owned about all of Bridgeport. The general took his leave and returned at five o'clock to dinner with his mother. Mrs. Stratton remained until seven o'clock. She expressed herself charmed with Lavinia Warren, but not a suspicion passed her mind that little Charlie was endeavoring to give her this accomplished young lady as a daughter-in-law. The general had privately asked me to invite him to stay overnight, for, said he, if I get a chance, I intend to pop the question before the commodore arrives. So I told his mother I thought the general had better stop with us overnight, as the commodore would be up in the late train adding that it would be more pleasant for the little folks to be together. She assented, and the general was happy. After tea, Lavinia and the general sat down to play backgammon. As nine o'clock approached, I remarked that it was about time to retire, but somebody would have to sit up until nearly eleven o'clock in order to let in the commodore. The general replied, I will sit up with pleasure, if Miss Warren will remain also. Lavinia carelessly replied, that she was accustomed to late hours and she would wait and see the commodore a little supper was placed upon the table for the commodore and the family retired now it happened that a couple of mischievous young ladies were visiting at my house one of whom was to sleep with lavinia they were suspicious that the general was going to propose to lavinia that evening and in a spirit of ungovernable curiosity they determined notwithstanding its manifest impropriety to witness the operation, if they could possibly manage to do so on the sly. Of course, this was inexcusable. The more so, as so few of my readers, had they been placed under the same temptation, would have been guilty of such an impropriety. Perhaps I should hesitate to use the testimony of such witnesses, or even to trust it. But a few weeks after, they told the little couple the whole story, were forgiven, and all had a hearty laugh over it. It so happened that the door of the sitting-room, in which the general and Lavinia were left at the backgammon board, opened into the hall just at the side of the stairs, and these young misses, turning out the lights in the hall, seated themselves upon the stairs in the dark, where they had a full view of the cosy little couple, and were within easy earshot of all that was said. The house was still. The general soon acknowledged himself vanquished at backgammon and gave it up, After sitting a few moments, he evidently thought it was best to put a clincher on the financial part of his abilities, so he drew from his pocket a policy of insurance, and handing it to Lavinia, he asked her if she knew what it was. Examining it, she replied, "'It is an insurance policy. I see you keep your property insured.' "'But the beauty of it is, it is not my property,' replied the general, "'and yet I get the benefit of the insurance in case of fire.' "'You will see,' he continued, unfolding the policy, "'this is the property of Mr. Williams. "'But here you will observe it reads, "'Loss, if any, payable to Charles S. Stratton, "'as his interest may appear. "'The fact is, I loaned Mr. Williams $3,000, "'took a mortgage on his house, "'and made him insure it for my benefit. "'In this way, you perceive, "'I get my interest and he has to pay the taxes.' that is a very wise way i should think remarked lavinia that is the way i do all my business replied the general complacently as he returned the huge insurance policy to his pocket you see he continued i never lend any of my money without taking bond and mortgage security then i have no trouble with taxes my principal is secure and i receive my interest regularly the explanation seemed satisfactory to lavinia and the general's courage began to rise. Drawing his chair a little nearer to hers, he said, "'So, you are going to Europe soon?' "'Yes,' replied Lavinia. "'Mr. Barnum intends to take me over in a couple of months.' "'You will find it very pleasant,' remarked the general. "'I have been there twice. In fact, I have spent six years abroad, and I like the old countries very much.' "'I hope I shall like the trip, and I expect I shall,' responded Lavinia." For Mr. Barnum says I shall visit all the principal cities, and he has no doubt I will be invited to appear before the Queen of England, the Emperor and Empress of France, the King of Prussia, the Emperor of Austria, and at the courts of any other countries which we may visit. Oh, I shall like that. It will be so new to me. Yes, it will be very interesting indeed. I have visited most of the crowned heads, remarked the general, with an evident feeling of self-congratulation. "'But are you not afraid you will be lonesome in a strange country?' asked the general. "'No, I think there is no danger of that, for friends will accompany me,' was the reply. "'I wish I was going over, for I know all about the different countries that could explain them all to you,' remarked Tom Thumb. "'That would be very nice,' said Lavinia. "'Do you think so?' said the general, moving his chair still closer to Lavinia's. "'Of course,' replied Lavinia coolly. For I, being a stranger to all the habits and customs of the people, as well as to the country, it would be pleasant to have some person along who could answer all my foolish questions. I should like at first rate, if Mr. Barnum would engage me, said the general. I thought you remarked the other day that you had money enough and was tired of travelling, said Lavinia, with a slightly mischievous look from one corner of her eye. That depends upon my company while travelling, replied the general. You might not find my company very agreeable. I would be glad to risk it. Well, perhaps Mr. Barnum would engage you if you asked him, said Lavinia. Would you really like to have me go, asked the general, quietly insinuating his arm around her waist, but hardly close enough to touch her. Of course I would, was the reply. The little general's arm clasped the waist closer as he turned his face nearer to hers and said, don't you think it would be pleasanter if we went as man and wife? The little fairy quickly disengaged his arm and remarked that the general was a funny fellow to joke in that way. "I am not joking at all," said the general earnestly. "It is quite too serious a matter for that. I wonder why the commodore don't come," said Lavinia. "I hope you are not anxious for his arrival, for I am sure I am not," responded the general. "And what is more," "'I do hope you will say yes before he comes at all.' "'Really, Mr. Stratton,' said Lavinia, with dignity, "'if you are in earnest in your strange proposal, "'I must say I am surprised.' "'Well, I hope you are not offended,' replied the General, "'for I was never more in earnest in my life, "'and I hope you will consent. "'The first moment I saw you I felt you were created to be my wife.' "'But this is so sudden.' "'Not so very sudden.' "'It is several months since we first met, "'and you know all about me and my family, "'and I hope you find nothing to object to in me.' "'Not at all. "'On the contrary, I have found you very agreeable. "'In fact, I like you very much as a friend, "'but I have not thought of marrying, and—' "'And what?' "'My dear,' said the general, giving her a kiss. "'Now, I beg of you, "'don't have any buts or ands about it. "'You say you like me as a friend.' why will you not like me as a husband? You ought to get married. I love you dearly and I want you for a wife. Now, dearie, the Commodore will be here in a few minutes. I may not have a chance to see you again alone. Do say that we will be married, and I will get Mr. Barnum to give up your engagement.' Lavinia hesitated and finally said, "'I think I love you well enough to consent, but I have always said I would never marry without my mother's consent.' "'Oh, I'll ask your mother. May I ask your mother? Come, say yes to that, and I will go and see her next week. May I do that, pet?' Then there was a sound of something very much like the popping of several corks from as many beer bottles. The young eavesdroppers had no doubt as to the character of these reports, nor did they doubt that they sealed a betrothal, for immediately after they heard Lavinia say, "'Yes, Charles, you may ask my mother.' Another volley of reports followed, and then Lavinia said, "'Now, Charles, don't whisper this to a living soul. Let us keep our own secrets for the present.' "'All right,' said the general. "'I will say nothing, but next Tuesday I shall start to see your mother.' "'Perhaps you may find it difficult to obtain her consent,' said Lavinia. At that moment a carriage drove up to the door, and immediately the bell was rung and the little commodore entered." you here general said the commodore as he espied his rival yes said lavinia mr barnum asked him to stay and we were waiting for you come warm yourself i am not cold said the commodore where is mr barnum he has gone to bed remarked the general but a nice supper has been prepared for you i am not hungry i thank you i am going to bed "'Which room does Mr. Barnum sleep in?' said the little bantam, in a petulant tone of voice. His question was answered. The young eavesdroppers scampered to their sleeping apartments, and the commodore soon came to my room, where he found me indulging in the foolish habit of reading in bed. "'Mr. Barnum, does Tom Thumb board here?' asked the commodore, sarcastically. "'No,' said I. "'Tom Thumb does not board here. I invited him to stop overnight.' "'So don't be foolish, but go to bed.' "'Oh, it's no affair of mine. "'I don't care anything about it. "'But I thought he had taken up his board here,' "'replied the Commodore, "'and off he went to bed, evidently in a bad humour. Ten minutes afterwards, Tom Thumb came rushing into my room, "'and closing the door, he caught hold of my hand "'in a high state of excitement and whispered, "'We are engaged, Mr. Barnum, we are engaged, we are engaged!' and he jumped up and down in the greatest glee. "'Is that possible?' I asked. "'Yes, sir, indeed it is, but you must not mention it,' he responded. "'We agreed to tell nobody, so please don't say a word. "'I must tell you, of course, but Mum is the word. "'I am going Tuesday to get her mother's consent.'" End of Chapter 37, Section 2